What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. La, 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 Luke. Luke, I am your father. La, 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 la. Aw, I've interrupted happy time. That was from Star Wars. It's the Neverland Podcast, episode 81. Happy Father's Day. Yes, hello to you all of my Neverlanders. I am so happy to be able to come to you this week because, well, yesterday I just spent the day trying to repair my computer. I could not get it to boot back up. I had some sort of crazy virus problem that that just spread itself and went all over the place. And then I ended up missing an interview with my planned guest for this week. And so the content I originally had planned... I have lost, but that's okay. We press on. I did have other things that I wanted to share with you, other things to do, some things I didn't even get to do last week, so I am not thwarted. I'm still coming to you this week, and we're still going to have lots of fun together, but I gotta remind you to take your pixie out of your pocket. You have been keeping her in there all week, right? Ready to spread some pixie dust on anyone who needs it? Well, get your pixie out of your pocket so you can spread some of that pixie dust and have that happy thought for yourself. And remember to go to NeverlandPodcast.com for all the information you need about the Neverland Podcast. Also, find out how you can email us at podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. On Facebook, we have both a page to like and a Facebook group. If you just search Neverland Podcast, you will find them. Make sure also to leave us a voicemail, 816-226-6492. Also, don't forget to join the Neverlanders if you haven't done so already. You can find a link right there on NeverlandPodcast.com that tells you all about how you choose your own uh, nickname and become a lost boy or pixie. No, you can't become a lost girl. Girls are too clever. They don't get lost, so you will become a pixie. And don't forget also to donate through our Patreon link right there on the uh, the website there on the left. Or go to patreon.com slash neverlandpodcast. I do bring you this show for free, but I do incur some costs. And if you'd like to help me out, I very much appreciate everyone who donates. It is a fantastic and wonderful thing and does help me to keep going to where I can keep bringing you this fun every week. And I'm having an awful lot of fun bringing it to you. So it's everybody gets to have fun together. <laughs> so and that's the thing. Uh, and of course, half of what I get from Patreon does go to Give Kids the World. It's a great charity that sends kids to Walt Disney World. And of course, their families. Uh, these are, of course, ill children, terminally ill, and things like that. Uh, it's a wonderful thing. I really do like it. Uh, also, make sure you take a look. I do have another charity that I, I haven't mentioned in a while. But uh, do you remember when we had Gregory Wiseman? Greg Wiseman on here. He was in Back to the Future 2 and 3. He was the second George McFly because Crispin Glover did not return to the role. Well, he has been organizing this charity cruise for Back to the Future fans, uh, and there's a link right there that you can actually go through to book it. That cruise is taking place in November. Uh, I believe he said he was going through Europe. Uh, If you back up a few episodes, you can hear that episode. Uh, Really a wonderful thing. Anything that you can do for a charity, then you can also have a whole lot of fun. I'd say is definitely worth it but uh well without further ado we need to have an update disney music fans the time has come it's the neverland battle of the disney bands your vote will determine this year's top five disney songs vote now at poll.neverlandpodcast.com 
That's P-O-L-L dot NeverlandPodcast.com. And listen to the Neverland Podcast to see which Disney band rises above the competition. All right. Now, we had uh, what I was expecting to be a bit more exciting, that I, the voter turnout was a little lower than expected this week. Uh, I don't know if maybe people just didn't have an easy time of choosing their favorites. Uh, it was rather difficult this time. Uh, I did put some really heavy hitters against each other, <laughs> so maybe some people had a hard time because websites still got lots of hits over there. But uh, the voting was down this week. Uh, and it was a it was a tough week. I did try to put some of the the top vote getters versus you know versus each other, and but um, how this worked out is I had the classically animated versus Pixar. Never smile at a crocodile has succeeded over if I didn't have you from Monsters Incorporated. Strange things dominated the silly song from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. I mean it was a blowout. Uh, the second star to the right did beat. Put that thing back where it came from, from Monsters Incorporated. And when you wish upon a star from Pinocchio, just narrowly defeated, you've got a friend in me. Or, uh, yeah, you got a friend in me from Pixar. I was, was thinking Aladdin for a second because of the friend thing. I should have the friend battle at some point, and it probably will. Uh, but this is definitely was a win for the classically animated team. Uh, well done, classically animated, and well done, voters. Our next bit of competition this week was the Muppet Mayhem taking on the renaissance of Disney animation. Man or a Muppet did go the distance to win against going against the distance from Hercules. It's not easy being green unless you soundly defeat Under the Sea from The Little Mermaid. The Rainbow Connection did win against You've Got a Friend in Me, which that's of course... <laughs> it's not You've Got a Friend in Me. I, I've got typos here. But this, of course, is... You've never had a friend like me. See, this is I, I have this problem when I'm typing these every time between the Renaissance and the Pixar because you got a friend in me or you've never had a friend like me. It even has the same amount of syllables. And so when I'm typing, I you know sometimes I mess this up. And so I've got my great show notes, but I still have mistakes. This is the kind of fun we have in the Neverland podcast. Uh, anyways, I'm going to go back there someday. Did defeat, I won't say I'm in love. And uh, wow, this was a this was a pretty heavy defeat as well. I won't say I'm in love. It's a pretty good song there from Hercules. It's actually my favorite from that movie. But I'm going to go back there someday. Is one of my favorite all-time Muppet songs. So I was kind of glad to see it win. But I was expecting it to be a little closer. Uh, but there was just complete dominance here by the Muppet Mayhem. They won every category. All four of their songs were winners this week. Our next round was the Disney Indiana Park Club Band taking on Living Action. These, of course, are live-action Disney films versus Disney Indiana's. This is Scott and Tracy. They chose a lot of songs from Disney Parks and, of course, some of their favorites. And they went ahead with Yo-Ho, A Pirate's Life for Me, which defeated A Whale of a Tale. So a bunch of pirates killed a whale <laughs> this week, which I was really looking forward to that competition because it's it's very similar type of song. So I, I thought it was a great matchup, and Yo-Ho did come out on top. The bear band Serenade actually defeated Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Pretty impressive bear band. We were liking that. And the Tiki Room just slammed. This only happens in the movies. Uh, this Wow, that's a song uh, that came from a movie that never really got made. Uh, from Who Discovered Roger Rabbit. This only happens in the movies. And it's been very strong to get this far. And it's a really great song. If you haven't gotten to hear it, go to the website, whole.neverlandpodcast.com, and click on Preview. It'll open up a YouTube link, and you can see a video and hear the song. And I, I kind of, you know, the Tiki Room is, is it's a classic. So I guess that's how it did it, though. Or maybe a lot of people are not familiar with this song. Or like, whenever we bring it up, uh, I did play it a few weeks ago. We had kind of our concert when we started this thing with round one. Go back and take a listen. I did play it. It's a great song. Uh, but uh, also we have Feed the Birds Narrowly Defeating the Grim Grinning Ghosts. And wow, that's that was a close one. That was good because I knew all those Haunted Mansion fans would jump in there for the voting. And Feed the Birds is one of those quintessential Walt Disney songs from Mary Poppins. So this was an exciting competition of Feed the Birds did squeak it out. And so, it looks like the Disney Indiana Park Club Band did win, having three wins over, you know, the one song that Feed the Birds that won from the live action. Now, this week, 
uh, we're going to have a rematch between our two top competitors, the Disney Indiana Park Club Band and the Muppet Mayhem, because I tell you what, they've been cleaning up on the votes and the wins, so I had to put them against each other. But this is actually going to be a rematch, because I put them against each other during round one, but this time I've done different songs. Different songs are taking on uh, their your competitors. I put whoever's been holding on to the most votes and throughout the competition, I've put their tops and, you know, going down in cascading order. Cascading order might not be the word to use, but that's how I put it. You know, I so I wanted to see how these were going to turn out. I'm really excited about that one. That's going to be a heck of a battle. Now, those are the two bands that didn't have to go through the audition month. Also, Pixar is so far winless in this competition. And I know y'all like Pixar songs, but they have not scored any wins. They've gotten some individual songs to win some things, but they've not won any week. Uh, so, but maybe this week things were changed. They're going to take on the animation renaissance. So we're going to find out, you know, because this is going to be about the same generation uh, as, as far as if you grew up liking cartoons, you know, and maybe in the 90s you were young enough to be like, oh, yeah, it's a Disney cartoon. Uh, this would have also branched you into those, you know, for those first Pixar movies where everything changed. It's basically two different revolutions going into each other. I mean, the renaissance of new Disney animation and the revolution of the computer animation that came through with Pixar. So I'm thinking this could be good. I think this hits home for a lot of us, a lot of people around my age, uh, for sure. You know, because this was really what made us huge Disney fans. Uh, also, we have classically animated. It's going to go toe-to-toe with living action. Now, this is really going to determine, I guess, what your favorite genre of Disney film music is going to be. Are you a big fan of those classic live-action movies or those classic animated movies? So, you know, get in there and vote. Poll.NeverlandPodcast.com. Vote as much as you want. We're really excited to see how this turns out in the coming week. Time out! The Great Space Coaster will return after these messages! C-3PO Loki Mace Windu Dr. Bruce Banner Captain Rex Venom Princess Leia Jean Grey Darth Maul Nick Fury Grand Moff Tarkin Captain America Lando Calrissian Cyclops What do all these characters have in common? Well, two of them were played by Samuel L. Jackson. A couple of them were played by Hammer Films veterans Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. Come on, guys. You know this. Well, of course we do, Jessica. Just like Mickey Mouse and Captain Jack Sparrow, they're all now Disney characters. Hello, I'm Tracy of the Disney Indiana Podcast, and my co-host Scott and I enjoy talking about all aspects of the House of Mouse, and that includes their newest properties, Marvel and LucasArts. We also talk about Disney resorts, the cruise line, theme parks, and whatever else Mickey has to offer. Which includes movies, Imagineering, video games, and collectibles. You'll never know what we'll decide to talk about. So check us out at www.disneyindiana.com or do a search for the Disney Indiana podcast on iTunes. Because now we've got a lot more to talk about. And don't forget about those other quote-unquote Disney characters like, well, Sully. Fozzie Bear. Buzz Lightyear. Link Hogthrob. Doug. Janice. Merida. Pepe. Bruce. Ralph the Dog. Wally. The Disney Indiana Podcast. Even after five years, we're still miles away from the nearest Main Street, USA. We're not listed on the map, but you can join us at www.disneyindiana.com. I'm in. Now back to the program. Okay, as you know, we have, over the last few weeks, been sharing and hearing some audio from the opening day of Disneyland to in celebration of Disneyland's Diamond 60th anniversary. Well, we're going to do things a little differently today. We're going to hear, yes, more audio from the opening day, but I wanted to share a little bit more from Walt Disney this week. I have a lot of great audio that I've managed to find of radio interviews and appearances like that. One from even 1937 that we're going to listen to first just because, I mean, it's really cool. It's Walt Disney. Uh, but going up through him talking about the World's Fair that from 1964. 
And this, of course, is where a lot of the rides that uh, were like the second phase in Disneyland, you know, those second round, like Small World and things like that, and uh, great moments with Mr. Lincoln, this is where those rides came from. You know, they put them out at the World's Fair before they moved them into Disneyland. Uh, So I thought it would be fun to listen to a radio interview even from that. Uh, So I'm going to try to play these in chronological order. And uh, this is just going to be a fascinating look into, of course, Walt Disney himself, which as a Disney fan, I'm sure you really like the guy, right? (laughs) So, But uh, I found this to be really kind of cool. And so uh, without further ado, I just want to share this with you. I I think it's going to be great. You're going to enjoy it. I love it. Uh, Sit back, relax, and uh, just let your mind go back in time. Elsa Charlotte Reviews. Presenting from Hollywood, California, one of the nation's foremost motion picture previewers. Tonight she has as her guest the most famous and beloved creator of cartoons in the world of motion pictures. Five-time winner of Academy Awards, Walt Disney. Donald Duck and Madame Clara Cluck are here with him also. And, and by the way, tomorrow is Donald Duck's birthday, and we have a beautiful birthday cake here in the studio celebrating this momentous occasion. And now here is Elsa Charlotte. Thank you, Ken Carpenter. Good evening, friends. Yes, yes, Donald. I know you're getting pretty anxious to cut your beautiful birthday cake. (laughs) But first, I feel that we ought to congratulate Mr. Disney. You see, he won another Academy Award last week for his picture, The Country Cousin. Now, that's quite an honor, Donald. Besides, Donald, I want to whisper something to you. And this is very confidential. You know, your boss, Mr. Walt Disney, is really a wonderful artist. He's brought so much joy and beauty into the world through his creations. (laughs) Of course, Donald. You've become a friend of everyone, too. Children and grown-ups. I don't know how the ducks feel about you, though. But I guess they envy you because you always seem to have such much fun. You and Madam Clara Cluck. (laughs) There goes your child. Well, Walt, it's wonderful to have you here. And to think that Donald is two years old. Yes, he's certainly growing fast, Elsa. By the way, that's a beautiful birthday cake. (laughs) Strictly speaking, Donald's birthday is tomorrow, and all the schools are going to be closed. (laughs) Tomorrow's Saturday. Shh, don't say a word. He thinks it's for him. Oh, yes. Well, Donald, you're a nice little fellow. Happy birthday to you, and I hope you have a hundred more. What are, you, what are you going to do with a guy like that who sings happy birthday to himself? Well, Walt, at least he's different. Eat? Say, where are your manners? Don't worry, Walt. You know, after all, he's only a baby. Say, <laughs> Donald, you're going to end up with no cake if you don't behave yourself. Uh, Walt, maybe we better change the subject. <laughs> He's always hungry. Well, I started to ask you, Walt, how is Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs coming along? There's a picture we're all anxiously awaiting. Oh, it's come along very well. I believe we've made great strides in animation and color. We've developed a special process for color that gives us dimension. Mm-hmm. Depth. You've been preparing for that for some time, haven't you? Yes. We've been at it for the past two years. Well, well, that puts you in the good earth class. Two years or longer we're involved in making that picture, too. Yes. Well, we won't be finished completely with Snow White until sometime early next year. You see, Elsa, it's going to run ten reels, which means a showing time of one hour and a half. No cartoon production has ever run that long before. No, I should say not. An hour and a half, that's a long while. Of course, you know, the idea of making Snow White into your type of creation and adding color to it, I think is simply marvelous. Well, it's a, w- a well-known fairy tale. Every country's familiar with it. That's why we feel justified in putting one million dollars into it. A million dollars? for a lot of money. That ought to be a good picture. Walt, your problems of production are just about a hundred times more difficult to work out than those of a director on a picture, let's say, in which living actors appear. Well... We have to create personalities out of line drawings. Mm -hmm. For example, if we were making Snow White with living actors, we could turn the story over to them, and each actor would introduce bits of business which would build up the character he was playing. That's right. But with our little characters, we have to plan out every movement that they make, even to the wink of the eye. (laughs) 
In other words, we have to literally pull everything out of the air, and then with a pencil and paper, we start building a picture. What patience that must take. You know, it makes me dizzy to think of the millions of drawings necessary for a production of this kind. <laughs> Some work is right. He ought to know. He gives us plenty of work. Yes, I imagine so. Walt, I've always been fascinated by the types of men who are part of your group, that is, of your studio. They're unusually fine chaps, very young, intelligent. They all seem very idealistic. Just the sort of men who'd be creating with you this magical world that you've opened up for the millions of us. Well, Elsa, our studio setup attracts men who have the same feeling for the business that we do. No one becomes a part of the group that isn't in sympathy with our ideals. Oh, that's very nice. You're a very unique company, certainly. Entirely different from any other studio in Hollywood. <laughs> we'll eat in just a minute, Donald. <laughs> Say, why don't you behave yourself? Look at Clara. She's nice and dignified. <laughs> Donald. Walt, I've always felt that you were a modern Hans Christian Anderson. Oh, no. Anderson was the originator. We've only taken the memories of our childhood and recreated them for the screen. And in fine form, too. But what about the creation of Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse? My friend Donald and Madame Clara, Pluto and all the rest. Oh, well, that's different. <laughs> Who's blushing? Fresh guy. You know, one of the admirable things about your creations, your cartoons, is that you never show cruelty. Well, that's the one thing that we've tried to avoid in recreating the fairy tales. Uh -huh. For instance, in the original of the three little pigs, two of the little pigs were eaten up by the wolf. Then the wolf was eaten up by the third little pig. But when we made the story, we just had the wolf scare the two little pigs so that they ran to the third little pig's house for protection. <laughs> then when the wolf followed the little pigs, he fell down the chimney, and if you remember, a little heat was applied in the right spot, and the wolf <laughs> went <laughs> over the hill. <laughs> I do remember it. <laughs> Walt, how many people do you have working at your studio? 500. 250 are working on Snow White, and the rest of them are working on the short subjects. Say, that's an enormous studio staff. I had no idea you had so many artists. Incidentally, if it can be called incidentally, just what is an animator? An animator is an artist who makes the drawings move. Mm -hmm. He puts them through their paces. He's a combination of many things. First, he has to be a real student of art. Next, he has to be a clever draftsman. Then he must have the soul of an actor and the understanding of a director. Oh, not very much. He certainly can't be limited in any way. No, he certainly cannot. I'll bet, Donald, you're glad you're just a duck and not an animator. <laughs> be patient, Donald. Just a second. The cake won't run away. Walt, just one more question. What about the brownies? I mean the dwarfs in uh, Snow White. Are they cute? Sure you're cute <laughs> when you're quiet. The brownies, I mean the dwarfs. Yes, Elsa, they are cute. We've got seven of them. Each a definite personality. One's called Grumpy. He's the woman hater. He doesn't want Snow White around the place because he knows she's going to bring trouble. <laughs> then, then there's Doc, the unofficial leader. Very pompous. Then we have Bashful, who secretly falls in love with Snow White. And Happy, a very round, fat, and jolly little fellow. And then there's Sneezy, who has hay fever. And Sleepy, who always wakes up in time to solve some heavy problem. And we also have little Dopey. He's the one dwarf without a beard. <laughs> Leave it to Donald. He knows. Now, Donald and Madam Clara, you've been very patient. And I think we'll ask Mr. Disney to light the candles on this beautiful cake, and then we're going to cut it. <laughs> but there's just one more thing. <laughs> Patience, Donald. It's just that I want to talk to Madam Clara Cluck this time. Madam Clara, you're such a charming personality. Of course, Donald is too. But you've really been a very model guest. Now I wonder if you would honor us by singing a song. I, I know that it would make Donald's birthday quite complete. What's the matter? What's the matter? Listen, have I offended her, Walt? What's the matter with her? Oh, she's just temperamental. Oh, 
Uh, well, she says uh, she doesn't want to sing on the same program with Donald Duck. Oh, how silly. Why, Clara, you shouldn't feel that way. After all, Donald Duck is a great artist, too. Uh, wait a minute, Elsa. I'm, I'm used to handling temperamental animals. I'll take a hand here. Now, listen, Clara. Be a good girl. Stop being temperamental. It's old-fashioned. Mrs. Schallard has been kind to have us on her program. She's asked you to sing. Now, you don't want to be ungracious about it, do you? That's the girl. Ah, <laughs> oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. We can't have this fighting. Be nice. Be nice. Now, you two kiss and make up. <laughs> That's fine. Now, I'll tell you what. Why don't you sing a duet? What would you suggest, Madam Clara? Ah, oh, very nice. Sure, sure, indeed. <laughs> Does she remind you of anyone? <laughs> <laughs> no, her feathers ruffle up on that, I know. <laughs> but you shouldn't fight. You ought to know better than that. You're a big boy. Anyway, I thank you for being here. You're very sweet, and I'm glad we celebrated our birthday with you. It's wonderful. I hope we'll celebrate many more, Donald. And, Madam Clara, I want to thank you for your lovely song. It was quite wonderful. Good night to you both. <laughs> Some pair you have there, Walt. I want to say good night to you, too, and thank you for being with us. It was certainly a great joy and a privilege, and we had loads and loads of fun. Good night, Elsa. And I hope you had as much fun as I did. Oh, believe me, I think we all did. My friends, we'll be with you again next Friday night. Don Douglas Fairbanks, Jr., who recently came home from England after being over there for three years, is going to be our honor guest. And I know you'll enjoy hearing what Mr. Fairbanks has to say. Thank you, and good night, friends. Ah, yes, sir, folks. Bob Cummings again isn't great. It's the real thing, all right. Now, right now, we're in a street, just like in New Orleans. The old New Orleans created for Walt Disney for you. And standing right here behind me is probably the most famous little Dixieland band in the world, the Firehouse Five Plus Two. And they're in exactly the right place because New Orleans is the spot where this beat was born, the Barrel House, the Blues. So take it away, Firehouse Five. Burn it up, boy.
Well, folks, as you can see, I'd like to stay here at the Mardi Gras forever, but there's a Disneyland train leaving from the Western Station right away, and we don't want to miss that. It's taking us to more an exciting land, so take it away on the train, Ronnie Regan. This is the Western Railway Station, and this is the C.K. Holiday, the Disneyland Freight. And it's on its way now, leaving Frontierland and going a hundred years into the future to Tomorrowland. One minute from now, Walt Disney will present a preview of Tomorrowland and the fascinating world of the future in the year 1986. dedication. A vista into a world of wondrous ideas, signifying man's achievements. I thought I got a signal. Before our preview of Tomorrowland, I'd like to read these few words of dedication. A vista into a world of wondrous ideas, signifying man's achievement, a step into the future with predictions of constructive things to come. Tomorrow offers new frontiers in science, adventure, and ideals. The atomic age, the challenge of outer space, and the hope for a peaceful and unified world. Those doves are, ladies and gentlemen, I hope the harbingers of peace for the world of tomorrow. And now, here in Disneyland, the year is eight, 1986, 1986, that's way ahead. And that's when Halley's Comet will flash past the Earth again. And the time of its arrival will be recorded on a futuristic clock like this one here, which tells you incidentally at a glance the exact time on any spot on the Earth. Yes, this is Tomorrowland. And it's not a stylized dream of the future, but a scientifically planned projection of future techniques by leading space experts and scientists. Now, whether you visit this spot, the spaceport of the future, to experience the thrills of a rocket trip to the moon, or perhaps you go to see the Circle-Rama, that's a motion picture screen that completely encircles the audience, or perhaps this 70-foot model of a rocket-powered ship poised to blast off into outer space, you find yourself living predictions of things to come. Well, uh, further out, just beyond here, Next to Tomorrowland is Autotopia, and that's the superhighway of the future. Art Linkletter will be along shortly to tell you all about it. ...of each of our 48 states. being unfurled are the efficient colors of the 48 states of this nation. It's appropriate that the Eagle Scouts handle this ceremony because these boys represent the citizens of the future. The world of tomorrow belongs to them. And now we'll take you into the future again and the aluminum exhibit and show you the aluminum telescope. Bob Cummings, take it away. Well, we have here several exhibits that show you all about an atomic chain reaction. And uh, here I have in my hand a... Uh, oh, hello, oh, how do you do, Professor oh, Haber? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to pre present to you a gentleman of, of considerable renown. This is Dr. Heinz Haber, and I'm sure you will remember him from Walt Disney's Tomorrowland. Mr. Haber has a very interesting experiment to show us here as we stand in front of this giant aluminum telescope, which was built especially for the Disneyland show. Go ahead, doctor, please well, tell us uh, about it. Well, I must just explain to these kids that I have here an atom of uranium. I see. But of course, it's only a loaded mousetrap. It is, isn't it? <laughs> but the two things have one in common. They contain energy. It can be released by a trigger like this. 
Oh, yes. You could say that this is spitting Adam. Yes, we have that around home. <laughs> this is your oh. son and daughter? Yes. She's my daughter. Very nice. Nice to see you, But kid. now, when an atom splits, it releases two neutrons. I see. The famous atomic particles that are found in the interior of atomic nuclei. I see. If they split, they are given off. Like ah. this. Watch. Yes, they're given off right toward the camera, too. <laughs> yes, people are very much interested in these things. Yes. And this is why here in Tomorrowland, we are basically preparing a show for you that tells all about the atom and what the atomic age will be like in the future. I see. You see, nature's energy comes from the atom, too. Mm -hmm. Through atomic energy, we get solar heat. And through sunshine, clouds, and rain, we are getting water power. I see. And with water power, we produce electricity for our show. Right. Now, soon we can do this in a shortcut with the atomic pile that will be able to produce for us electricity. Now to show you how a pie looks inside, I have here on this table over a hundred mouse traps. And they're all loaded and ready to go. Now you can imagine what happens if I throw just one neutron ping pong ball into this pile of loaded traps. It triggers one, it gives off neutrons, and it triggers further. And finally, the whole pile will go off in a few seconds. Well, that's amazing. And this yeah. is a chain reaction. Would you like to start it? Well, Bob? well, I, now I, I don't think that I should do that. I'm a little <laughs> shocked. Say, why don't we just have your son standing right here, uh, Doctor? Why don't you start the chain reaction with the ping pong ball to demonstrate to our audience? Okay. Huh? Stay back, everybody. Well, try again. Try again. <laughs> Now, what you have seen here with the mouse traps and the ping pong balls is an important part of your future, the power of the atom. And if you grow up, be certain that you use it wisely. We'll talk with a gentleman whose contribution to the fair is very much in evidence. His dominant role was inevitable, for he is a master showman, the man who created the world's largest tourist attraction, in itself a world's fair, Disneyland. Of course, that man is Mr. Walt Disney. It's a real pleasure, sir, to talk with you. Well, nice to talk to you, Dick. Under the banner of WED Enterprises, which incidentally stands for Walter Elias Disney, Mr. Disney has produced four major exhibits at the fair for Ford Motor Company, General Electric, and the state of Illinois. WED also designed a fourth exhibit, Pepsi-Cola, which was constructed and will be operated by Walt Disney Productions. What is WED Enterprises, Mr. Disney? Is this the same group of talented people that designed Disneyland? Well, WED is, a, you might call it my backyard laboratory, you know, my workshop away from work. It served a purpose in that some of the things I was planning, like Disneyland, for example, it was pretty hard to, for the banking mind to go with it. I had to go ahead on my own and develop it to a point where that they could begin to comprehend what I had in mind. So it's been true with a lot of things in, the, in our history here that we've been doing something that's a little bit out of the run of things, and it's pretty hard to sell people on what you have in your mind. So you have to go ahead and develop it. And that's what I've been doing with WED. I can do things at WED without asking anybody, even my wife. She's hard to sell out of <laughs> Like uh, Space Age development, many of your contributions have introduced new words uh, to our vocabulary. Your most recent is audio animatronic. I hope I'm pronouncing That's it. right. It's, uh, you know, sound, uh, animation through electronics. It's opened a whole new door for us. We can program whole shows on a tape. This little tape sends signals, and the little figures go to work, and they uh, sing and act and move according to the impulse that comes from the tape. And uh, this has all uh, been possible because of this big drive that we've had on the, on the space age development, the electronic age. You're using audio animatronics for all four exhibits, like we mentioned before. What are some of the specific effects of each exhibit? How would you like each one to affect fair visitors? They all tie in with the theme of the World's Fair. It's uh, progress. Like the General Electric show, for example, we have what we call the carousel of progress. Now it's a theater that revolves, the people revolve around six stages and on each one of these stages uh, are my audio animatronic figures that enact a little uh, part of the whole story. 
And we start with the pre-electrical age. We had coal lamps and all that, coal oil lamps. And we go up to early electrical, mid-electric, and then up to today and what you can do with electricity in your home. But the, the audience itself revolves around these fixed stages. And it's called the Carousel Theater of Progress. And I want to tell you about my Pepsi-Cola show. This took a lot of imagineering, too. It's a tribute to the, to the children of the world. And it's a little fantasy where you take a, a trip around the world of children in a boat. And you visit all the different countries with all the different children of these countries in their costumes. And then, and then a lot of toy-like figures to represent other things. And these little figures dance and sing. And uh, finally end up with a big finale, which is like the finale in any musical, where all the children from these other lands that you've visited are all together in one, all singing in unison. And uh, it's a big, spectacular finish. It's called It's a Small World. With the Ford exhibit, we take them in a Ford product, and they ride back in time. And they go back to the primeval days of the uh, big uh, giant lizards, dinosaurs and brontosauruses and uh, stegosauruses and all of that. And they're all animated and moving, very lifelike. They move from that up to the, to the early age of man. Then we show the, how, how man was learning to better his way of life where he learned how to use fire, where he learned to build weapons. And you'll meet, for the first time, the fellow who invented the wheel. He's a caveman. He's got this wheel, and he's trying to sell it to his neighbors, and he's having an awful hard time. You know, they, <laughs> they don't believe the darn thing's worth anything, you know. Then we go into the fantasy of the world of tomorrow. In the Ford product, you ride right through, more or less like a skyway. And then we come back to, to today... And the Ford has a wonderful show of their product today and how it's designed and all of that. I think the Ford exhibit's going to be a, one of the top exhibits at the fair. And then let's see, there's one other. Oh, my Lincoln? I think that uh, people are going to be surprised how lifelike uh, this Abraham Lincoln is going to be when they're going to sit in there and listen to this great man who gives a speech on liberty. So and these are the speeches taken from Abraham Lincoln's own writings and speeches. And he's in a very dignified setting, and uh, the audience is conditioned, and then they're presented to the president, and he stands up and addresses this audience. Well, by the way, on the Lincoln figure, uh, we've done considerable research so that we uh, really could create a lifelike uh, impression of Lincoln. We're fortunate in being able to secure a life mask that was made of Lincoln. It was made in about 1860, I think. And it gave us a chance to know the, his, the real, the contour of his face and all of that. And then by research, we found all of his mannerisms. We got, selected a voice that fit the closest to what was described as uh, Lincoln's voice and also how he used to start his speech. He'd start it rather high, then as he got into his speech, he would come down and, and uh, modulate his voice a little more carefully. He was a fellow who could get rather emotional in the middle of a speech, too. So uh, we've done everything we can to create the most lifelike image of Lincoln, more so than I think any actor could ever do. It's a big fair. I think uh, people are going to be surprised. It's really an exciting thing. I was there just a few weeks ago. It's going to be the biggest fair, I think, yet, without a doubt. The New York World's Fair sounds like an experience of a lifetime, and I'm sure that no one who goes there is likely to forget it. Thank you so much, Walt Disney, for being our guest. Uh, thank you, Dick. This is Dick Strout with World's Fair Report, returning you to our main studios. Okay, now I also have something very special and different of, of Walt Disney that I do want to share with you, but I, I figure it needed a little explanation. Uh, has any of you ever heard of the old comedian Jack Benny? Probably not. Uh, he had a radio show way back in the times of ref the, the golden age of radio, really. Uh, which later, when, of course, television came around, he did move to TV. He also starred in several movies. Jack Benny, uh, he was very famous for his cheapskate character that he would be in his comedy. Uh, very, very funny. Uh, he also made famous uh, his his right-hand man, Rochester, who has probably one of the you know, most unique voices you would ever hear. Uh, the man who played Rochester also had some, um, also some movie appearances. Uh, but there was one time, you know, and uh, by the way, you might also be familiar with uh, 
there was I remember some jokes on Looney Tunes, some old old Looney Tunes where uh, uh, um, Bugs Bunny would make cracks about being Jack Bunny or something like that. You know, it was basically joking on Jack Benny, uh, but he was a very funny man. But during the time on his television show. There was a guest appearance by none other than Walt Disney that I managed to find. Now, most of the gags in this uh, are pretty much audio gags. I, I don't think you'll lose anything by not actually seeing this. But uh, if you really wanted to track down the video, I'm sure you could if you search for Jack Benny and Walt Disney. But uh, I wanted to share the audio from you. Uh, I find it very funny, but it, of course, to really understand some of the humor of it, you have to understand how Jack Benny is very clever in his way of being a complete and total cheapskate and tries to get everything for free. But here it is on the Jack Benny program, a special appearance by Walt Disney. Walt Disney. Well, I like him, but uh, let's don't forget that darn cat. The title of the picture is the important thing. We got to punch it. Yeah. Mr. Jack Benny is here to see you. Jack Benny? Send him in. Wonder what he wants. Well, I thought he was still mad at you for not using him in Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. <laughs> oh, I finally got through to him. It was a cartoon. <laughs> oh, Jack. Hi, Walt. Good to see you. Good Thank you. See you. Thank you. This is a real pleasant surprise, you know? You don't come around here very often. No, what a beautiful studio you have here in this office and everything. Well, I think after Mary Poppins, I can afford a redo. Sit down, sit down. Sit down, sit down. Esmeralda, be quiet. Okay, Walt. <laughs> Everybody around here calls me Walt. I know. Jack, what's on your mind? Well, Walt, is he... Tomorrow, I'm doing an hour television show with a large cast and crew. And I thought that instead of taking him to dinner after the show at the Bistro or Chasen's, that just for a change, I thought it'd be kind of nice if I took him through Disneyland. That is, if it's all right with you. Oh, Jack, I think it's a wonderful idea. How many people are there? 110. <laughs> That's not too many, is it? No, no. Uh, in fact, we have a special department that handles large groups at a discount. A discount? Yeah, that means... I know what it means. <laughs> Look, Walt, I was thinking, you know, with a big show like mine, I wind up with practically nothing. <laughs> Ten people. I mean, even with the, with the discount. really run into and since you, you see the fact that you own the place I thought maybe come on in Sam behave yourself oh, Jack pay no attention to him we're all one big happy family whatever you can say to me you can say in front of him Well, Walt, as I was saying... Family! One big family! Shut up! <laughs> now, Walt, as I was saying... <laughs> nice pussycat. <laughs> uh, Walt, as I was saying, you see, 110... Oh, incidentally, did you ever get those four complimentary tickets I sent you to one of my television shows? <laughs> Oh, yes, Jack, thank you. You know, I almost forgotten that was about nine years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, just about, yeah. Now, I was saying, I'm taking 110 people to Disneyland. And, oh, oh, Walt, I must tell you, I think it's just so wonderful the way you're always taking groups of, of poor, underprivileged children through Disneyland free of charge. Well, Jack, we don't publicize that. How did you know? My sister's kid went once. <laughs> he had a wonderful time. You know. He brought me back some candy and everything. <laughs> now, Walt, it's silly to keep beating around the bush. What I was wondering was... Wait a minute, Jack. I think I'm getting the idea. You want 110 free tickets? Well... 
<laughs> I had no idea that's what you wanted. I didn't. I'm only a bird. <laughs> so, let's see here. Wait a minute, Jack. I seem to recall that when Disneyland first opened, I gave you a 14-carat solid gold pass, lifetime pass to Disneyland. Yes, you did give me a solid gold pass. Well, where is it? Here. I had a round of dollars. <laughs> okay, 110 free tickets. And I hope you all have a wonderful time. Ah, thanks, thanks, Walt. Hey, listen, you've been so nice to me, I'm going to do something for you. Yeah, what's that? Well, you know how important it is when a motion picture is publicized on a television show. Oh, yes, I certainly do. Well, now, look, at on my show tomorrow night, I have a beautiful foreign actress. And we're going to do a foreign film, you know, like they do in Italy, an Italian film. See? Yeah. And I'm going to rewrite the whole thing so that it has a sort of a Walt Disney approach. But, Jack, I don't know how you can possibly apply my movie-making approach to a foreign film. I mean, everyone I see seems to be so earthy, so full of basic raw emotions. That's true. That's true, Wal, but don't worry about it. It'll work out. Ah, but there's such short time. Won't it be a problem? Not when you're as creative as I am. <laughs> He's living in the wonderful world of Benny. About a thing, it'll be great. And thanks so much for the ticket. Always glad to help a friend in need, Jack. Goodbye. <laughs> Walt. I was just thinking. Now, you see, my wife, Mary, she's not on my show, but she's never been to Disneyland. And I was just thinking. <laughs> My approach in an Italian movie? This we'll have to see, won't we? How about some lunch? All right. Look, Lord, that's a good idea. What can I fix for you? You fix lunch? Sure, I want you to rest. Look, what would you like to have? I'll make your favorite dish. What do you like the best? Well, I like cheese. Cheese? Mm-hmm. And my favorite is mozzarella provolone parmesan ricotta. Mozzarella, provolone, parmesan, ricotta. What kind of a dish is that? It's wonderful. Listen. Mozzarella, provolone, parmesan, ricotta. You should eat it every day and you should eat a lot. It is great with vino and it's even good with water. Mozzarella, provolone, parmesan, ricotta. Mozzarella, provolone, parmesan, ricotta. You can eat it icy cold and you can eat it hot. Cook it in a tiny pan or in a great big pot. Mozzarella, provolone, parmesan, ricotta. Mozzarella, provolone, parmesan, ricotta. Any vitamins you need, you'll find that it has got. Even makes a worn out horse into a champion trot. Never lands feedback. Okay, I have something different for feedback this week. I received what I'm going to call a really cool shout out from the Skywalking Through Neverland podcast. Uh, great show. They uh, they focus more on Star Wars with Disney, of course, because they're huge Disney fans as well. And they'll talk about some Marvel stuff, but they're definitely big Star Wars fans, and their program runs very long, but uh, they usually pack it in with as much, really, you know, guests and everything. So it's a great show. Uh, they've actually been guests here on the Neverland podcast when Star Wars Rebels was premiering. We had... Uh, 
the uh, the hosts there, Sarah and Richard Woloski, they came on and we talked about Star Wars Rebels. They're delightful people, and I did ask their permission to share a clip from their show where one of their segments, which they talked to Margaret Carey, and uh, people can submit questions or comments to Margaret Carey, and I submitted one. And uh, Margaret Carey actually read the note and told a wonderful story on their show, and I am going to share that with you. I thought it was a wonderful shout-out. And yes, I am in the process of getting Margaret Carey to appear on our show, uh, the significance of Margaret Carey is that she was the model for Tinkerbell. Okay, she is like the real deal, Tinkerbell. Uh, and she is very active, actually, online. Uh, she's a wonderful, wonderful later, uh, lady. I cannot wait to get her on the show. I uh, just got to get things moving and set the ball rolling, and hopefully we'll have her on soon. And I'm sure you're just going to be delighted with her and her career, that all the things she's done. But anyway, let me just get straight to it. Jeremy from the Neverland podcast has something he would like to share. Now he writes, and I'm reading from what he wrote. I would just want to tell Margaret Carey, that's me. She reminds me a lot of my grandmother, whom I loved dearly and miss her a lot. She was also feisty and opinionated, and I have grown up to be a lot like her. Ah, I've heard Margaret on Mousestalgia, another podcast and she and my grandmother even held a lot of the same opinions. Love that lady. Oh, I like this. I like this. I'd love to meet her one day and have her on my podcast as well. Well, magical things happen. But let me tell you a story about someone that I learned to be feisty from. My great aunt was born in Sweden, and she was raised until she came over here. And that was 1896 she was born. And women in Sweden never told their age. And one day I was giving her a party. And I knew how old she was because I was sort of looking after her. But her friend at the party said to her, Elvira, come on, tell me how old you are. I've known you for 45 years. What's it going to hurt? Tell me how old you are. And my little auntie looked up at her and he says, Yeah, well, can you keep a secret? And he said, Of course I can, Elvira. She said, So can I. And walked away. So that's where you learn feistiness. That's how you learn to be a grandmother. And that's how you learn to be a Tinkerbell. <laughs> Thank you for that lovely, lovely little note you sent. And you know what? That's all the tink time we have for today. I would like to thank Donald Wicks. Rob Dellinger, and Jeremy from the Neverland Podcast for sending in their questions. Okay, well, it's that time again. It's time for us to say goodbye from Neverland. But don't forget, while you go, to keep that pixie in your pocket. By that, I mean, of course, that young at heart and good attitude that even if your computer is breaking down all day, you can get through it. If you can just keep the right attitude and have a little bit of pixie dust. And don't forget to share that pixie dust with some other people. In other words, you know, sometimes just a, a friendly hello, a smile, a hug, or a handshake goes a long way. But until we see you next week, keep that pixie in your pocket, and God bless. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and Blueberry. We love to hear from you on twitter.com slash neverlandpcast and facebook.com slash neverlandpodcast. Leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492 and send email to podcast at neverlandpodcast.com. Join us next week and we'll once again go to Disney and beyond. The Neverland Podcast is copyright glue band productions and all original content belongs to the same. Other content is copyright of their respective creators and is used under Creative Commons license.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. 